already had one person come in today and take a look at the bulletin, just the front. And if you look at the front cover, it's this picture. And it says, blood on our hands. And they said, that's offensive. I'm leaving. So if anyone wants to leave now is a good time. You can if you want to. But, 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 I get it. It's like it's Father's Day. Don't we talk about light things? Yes. We're talking about the most amazing thing you can ever talk about. But here's the thing. You've got to go from law to gospel. And the law should offend you because we don't like it very much. And we're in that portion of our text this morning, John 19, where Jesus Christ, our Savior, is going to the cross. And I just it's so important to me that you know, apart from Christ, you've got blood on your hands. I've got blood on my hands. It's become very popular in society to start looking at other people and saying, you're doing this wrong or you're doing that wrong. This group's doing that wrong and this group should do better with this. And we start pointing fingers and we, before God... I think of my medical career a little bit. I don't like to give too much medical stuff, but there I was, a resident. I'd been awake for 46, uh, probably more like 54 hours, long shifts, kind of a rite of passage. They had you work in the trauma unit as people came in, which is really dumb for someone who's been awake for 46, 48 hours. But I was an intern, and someone came in and had been in an automobile accident, and, and, and they were bleeding internally. And I don't know what you know about internal bleeding, but it means it's really hard to start an IV because most of your blood pressure is really low. Your blood's being poured out into your organs and abdominal cavity and stuff. So I was the intern. My job was to get access. That means needles to put, like, fluids in. And I, I wasn't really good at interosseous yet. That's where you put a needle into the bone. So I was, they gave me the job. said, quick, do a saphenous cut down. I don't know if you know what that is, but it means I cut by the ankle and pulled out the big vein to try and do it. And I was, I was, I was tired. And I was... It was hard to do. I was, and they're, they're sitting there waiting for me to take him to the operating room while I got the saphenous cut down done. Probably three, four minutes is all it was, but it seemed like 14 hours to me before I finally did it, and off he went to the ER, where he subsequently died. He died. Now, the reality is he probably would have died anyway, Right? I mean, the extra three minutes isn't going to hurt anybody. I, he was already bleeding internally. Nothing's going to happen that I know of that more. It wasn't my fault. I could come up with a lot of things, a lot of excuses. I was tired. Man, but those three or four minutes when he could have gotten to the ER faster, and I have any culpability for that? Not legally. Just on my own heart. You know, I'm a doctor, and I'm doing a skin check, and I miss a mole, and that mole becomes melanoma in someone, and they die. Over and over, not in the world of medicine. Forget medicine. I, I, I feel like a lot of times I, I, I basically think I'm okay. I, I ignore the things that I can't control. But if I want to look and I really want to be precise for you and for me, a word spoken in anger, you know what affects someone else? They take it in. That echoes through their identity and they get hurt. And maybe three years later, now they've changed. They're not the same person because you hit them with anger. That's not good. You disobey your parents. You push them to frustration and that frustration comes out in another place. And, and, and it's, it's not your fault, but 
If you're a person who's anxious and you're anxious over your circumstances a lot and that stress level is just high because this world's really hard and so you have anxiety, but you know the Bible says don't be anxious, but you just are anxious and so you're anxious and your blood pressure's high and you die four years early and don't get to see your grandkids. They don't get the benefit of your presence. Why were you anxious? You were needed. See what I'm doing? Lust that injures other people. You you run a red light when no one's here. But but and, and but but someone sees you. They, you don't hit them. They, they break and they break really hard. And and, and the, the accident's avoided. You're like, whew, everything's fine. But actually, what you did was wear their brakes. So now they don't work very well. And three months later, they're in an accident. You bear any culpability for that? Again, I'm not talking legally. I'm not talking in the sense of, well, our society doesn't deal with those sorts of things. But I'll tell you, it's God's world, and he's in charge of everything. And then you come in, and you're not perfect. He made it. We don't see the consequences. So we go, well, if there's no consequences, then it's okay. But actually, you don't see well enough to know the consequences of all the ways that you're not perfect. And I don't mean perfect like some shiny example of moral purity. I just mean that you work right. You don't. I don't. I'm not pointing at you particularly. You're not right in all you do, and it's a big deal, especially because you don't think you're that bad. I'll tell you, when I kind of break hard and, 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 and because someone stops in front, I don't think, wow, they've done damage to me. That's a little thing. Okay, I want you to have that mindset because don't think you aren't in this story. We're going at today. It's even more. This is the wonder that Jesus is, is handling is giving in, in, in the light of all the things you don't do right and you can't even see all those things that they are because we have blood on our hands and what makes them clean? That's what I'm after today. And what makes them clean is what Jesus Christ does for us. That's what he's doing in our passage because our problem's way worse than we know. Okay, let's let's pick it up. We're going to talk three things. We're walking through this story. You know it very well. It's the, it's Jesus right before he goes to the cross. We're going all the way up to the crucifixion. You could probably tell it to me almost better than I can tell it to you. So I want to frame it. I want you to see and pull out and make it come alive how Jesus alone is allowing all of these things as all of mankind, the Jews and the Gentiles, because that's how the Bible works. There's the Jews, that's God's chosen people, and there's everybody else, that's the Gentiles, are going to put Jesus on the cross. He allows it. Let's go. Let's take a look. Chapter 19. So we're in 19, verse 1. Behold the man we're going to start with. Behold the man. Crucify him. Let's tell a story. It's a real story. The story of our Savior. Okay, then Pilate took Jesus, the text says, and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. 
okay, we've just come off, and chapter 18 was all about, right, this unjust trial, this terrible thing at night that they did to Jesus, and they beat him, and they spit on him, and they were doing things that were evil. The disciples have run away, and this is the king of heaven. I We, we know, right, we're not un, unaware, reader, that Jesus Christ is the king of heaven, the son of God, our only hope, and here he is, and... He's come to earth and he's healed the sick and he's saved small children and he's restored sight and fed thousands. And this is the treatment he gets and accepts, right? Flogging. It's not a fun concept, right? You take the, the cat of nine tails or whatever with the little lead balls in the bottom and you whip somebody's back so it breaks the skin and it makes it like hamburger. They put thorns on his head so he's bleeding. He has this royal robe. It's purple, but purple also covers up the color of the blood. Sticks to his back. There's probably flies buzzing around. Hail, King of the Jews. The soldiers, right? Hail, King of the Jews. And slap, punch, strike, pain. There's rejection. There's humiliation. There's powerlessness. For someone who has all the power in the world, everything's held together by him. And he's sitting there taking it. It's all a spectacle. Pilate comes out again, says to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. We met Pilate last week. Here he is. He's saying, I don't find any guilt. What? Then isn't this totally unfair? Let's take an innocent person and we beat him till his back's hamburger and we put thorns on his head and we, we kick him around some. Oh, yeah, I don't find any guilt in him. This is the world. Man, no justice. He's not guilty, and it doesn't matter if he's guilty or not. Give the crowd a little blood, the blood of a powerless person with no connections, no friends, no payback. We'll just appease the mob. He's not guilty, so sate yourself in his humiliation, in his blood. And so Jesus comes out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Okay, take a look. If you found no guilt, he willingly beats him, he flogs him, he humiliates him, he makes a mockery of him being king, and it doesn't appease them even a little, right? Because what did they say? When the chief priests and the officers, so this is the Jewish religious leaders, the people who actually know the Torah, the Bible, they're the, the representatives of God, and, and, and they, they cry out, all of them, crucify him, crucify him. Behold Jesus Christ, stricken and wounded and beaten. Behold the man. Crucify him. I mean, self-righteously, best for the nation, best for everyone. Kill him. Tax, it's Father's Day. Can't we talk about something? I know. This is heavy and hard, right? Keep going. Because it's the next piece. Won't you speak to me? So Pilate said to them, when the chief priests and the officers called, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. Pilate's like, I'm down with humiliation. I am down with, you know, cutting his back open. I'm down with beating him to an inch of his life, but I don't actually find him guilty. You take him and kill him. It turns my stomach. 
you do see it's way too late for Pilate. Blood's all over his hands. The blood of Jesus. He's ordered the injury of the king of heaven. And here are the Jews who want him dead, and blood's all over their hands. They're crying out for him to be killed. They just want Pilate to do it. Right? Because the Jews answered, We have a law. We have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, <laughs> in his statement, he was even more afraid. Okay, wait a minute. What's going on? The, the Jewish leaders say, hey, we're, we're God's sons. We are the people of God. And we have the law of God. And the law says he needs to die. Are they right? Well, because he's made himself the son of God. So he's making blasphemy. And so they're referring to Leviticus chapter 24, 16. It says, hey, if someone blasphemes, you shall surely kill him. Everyone in the congregation shall take stones and stone him. So they're kind of right, but they want... They want Pilate to do it, but they think Jesus is blaspheming. Here's one who has made himself this, and no one can make themselves this. It's an outrage. We are the humble servants of God, and we follow his commands. So kill this son, this blasphemer. Now, Pilate says was afraid again and hasn't said he's afraid before. So why is he afraid and think, oh, there's something. Is he superstitious or is it, you know, his wife's dreams that the other gospel accounts talk about or something's going on there where he's like, whoa, something heavy's happening. So he gets this taste that there's something deeper going on. But, but he doesn't do anything except get afraid. He's disturbed. He's definitely afraid of the crowds. He's afraid of the situation. How do I get out of this? I, I don't want blood on my hands. I want to keep the leaders happy so they don't incite a riot. I want to stay away from hurting this one if I can, but I, I mean, at least keep him alive, I suppose. Maybe I can just take a step back and not have any part of any of this anymore. So like a ping pong ball, he goes back and forth. And here he is. Pilate comes back in, it says... He entered his headquarters, chapter, verse 9, again, and he said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate says, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? So he looks at Jesus, and his takes as bad as anyone's. Right? Don't you know that I have power over you? I can crucify you. You better work with me here. You're in trouble, says Pilate. Okay, think about the... Will you think about the truth that you and I know that Pilate doesn't know at this point is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is the King of Heaven. That everything that's ever been made is by Christ alone. That the Bible says he holds everything together by the word of his power. And, and Pilate has no clue. It's this cluelessness, this idea that he can even talk to Jesus this way. And he just does it. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't know. And he's got blood all over his hands. And here Jesus speaks. It's the only words Jesus speaks in this passage. 
Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Okay, chew on this with me for a minute because we're getting, maybe we're getting to the point. You have no authority, Jesus says to Pilate, except what God himself gave you. That's all. And Jesus is God. Nobody here has any authority. No one of us have any authority except God gives us authority, right? That's, that's what Jesus says. And like so many, he says, you're not even acting like there's a God. You act like you're the actual authority, not God himself. All the time. By the way, we do that, right? We're sinners and we're wrong and, and, and we act like we should be very careful. Instead, Jesus Christ is looking at Pilate with a raw, striped, whipped back with blood from thorns running down his face. He's bruised and beaten. Things are not what they seem. But the greater sin, says Jesus, isn't that you somehow have authority because God gave you that and you're exercising it as fallen and as wrong as you are. The greater sin is he who delivered you over, well, me, over to you. Okay, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Jews who delivered Jesus over, Jesus who was... Israel's hope, and he's been delivered over to the Gentiles? Is he talking about Judas? Judas who delivered him over and betrayed him. He was his friend and disciple. Or maybe Pilate is just exercising God-given authority in a fallen way. But why is Jesus there? Okay, you're going, Dax, I get your, what you're walking through, but, but uh, what are you trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say. We deliver Jesus over. I don't want you to just accept that. I want you to see it in the text with me a little bit more. But the reality is, if, if the Jewish people, God's people, gave Jesus over, and, and, and Pilate is involved with giving Jesus over to die, there's always this giving over to death that Jesus has. What, what delivered Jesus over? Why is he there? He's there because of sin. He's there because of rebellion. He's there because of animus. He's there because of just shockingly raw wrongness. And, And we have that in spades. I didn't do it, Dex. I wasn't Judas. I wasn't the Jews. These people are the terrible ones. I'm okay. Okay, hold that thought. Wait till we get to the end. Because Pilate's in trouble. I mean, the beating, the whipping, the spectacle, the humiliation, it's not the worst. There are worse, and you go, whoa, because because the king gets shown, and here it is, this last little piece, and then we'll dive just a little bit more. So, verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So there's a shift now and there's a fight because Pilate, who's the Gentile, who isn't, doesn't believe in God. He's not part of the chosen nation of God. He's not an Israelite. He's not a Jew. But, but he's the one fighting for Jesus' life now. And the other side's like, no, 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 no. There's no God but, no king but Caesar. The Jews are saying that? They hear the Maccabee re- re- rebellion? 
He's in a political storm. They're manipulating Pilate, right? The Jews are. Pilate's looking to release him. They pull out the politics card. He says he's a king, so he's against Caesar. Caesar's the emperor. Pilate serves at the whim of the emperor. We'll put Pilate in the same boat as Jesus. You're rebelling against the king. Maybe we'll crucify you. So how much does Pilate really want to stand up for the innocent if it costs him his position and his life? And so when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and he sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic, Gabbatha. You want authority? Okay, so he sits down on the judgment seat. This is the judgment of mankind on this side, one who's made himself the Son of God. Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. Man, will you feel the scene with me? The day of preparation of the Passover, that's the day that Jerusalem ran red with blood because they would kill all the lambs, right? You kill the lambs to prepare the Passover. The Passover, which was remembering when the blood was put on the doorposts so that the angel of death came over and didn't kill the firstborn son of each Israelite family. And so they remember that by killing a lamb and then by eating the lamb. And so it's the preparation of that when the blood flows. And it's about the sixth hour. That's probably Jewish time. It means it's noon. High noon at the OK Corral. The judgment of God-given authority in the hands of fallen man. And so here's his attempt at the truth. Because he says to the Jews, what? Behold your king. Truth, right? Behold the king, dripping blood, purple robe, stained, sticking to his back, the crown of thorns. Behold what you have done to your king. You've rejected him. He's humiliated at your hands. But it's not enough. Behold your king. And their response to their king, beaten and whipped, is they cry out, away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Because beating isn't enough. Because humiliation isn't enough. We want him dead. Pilate, Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, we have no king but Caesar. This isn't so much a pledge of allegiance to Caesar. It's a total repudiation of this Jesus. Kill him. His blood is on our hands. In fact, the the crowd yells in another gospel account, his blood is on our hands and our children's hands, heads, lives. But Pilate can't do that, can I mean, this is the one who wants to have justice, who's seeking a way out. Oh, he has blood on his hands too, because he delivered Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus. Those are the last words before the crucifixion. I want us to stop there. Jesus is now officially condemned to die. He's headed directly to the cross. We'll look at the cross itself and then the death next week. But, but it is so easy to see the injustice. It is so easy to see the cowardice of Pilate, the manipulation of the leaders, the bloodthirstiness of the crowd, all the ways in which those people, those people killed the Son of God. 
I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. We're better. Americans are better. We've got a better sense of justice. Westerners are better. We think more clearly. People are better. Christians are better. I don't know. We would never do this, right? But the whole point of the passage, I believe, is that we did. Mankind did. Mankind is men and women. It's everybody. It's us. Us. And, and, and on one side is us and the other side is God. And we have blood on our hands. That's the law. We stand condemned, every one. We just don't know it most of the time. We think it's not true. And here's Jesus. He goes to the cross, and, 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 and that's how we get the blood stains off, is he forgives us. We don't scrub. He washes us clean. We put him there, and he loves us and breaks death for us. And isn't that... It's not that some of humanity did something bad and I kind of get in it. It's, it's that I'm the man, Nathan to David, right? All the ways that I don't see it, but it's me. Every time I miss the mark, every time I choose to exalt me instead of God, every time I forget the authority is always his, every time that I assign purpose to me in my ways that are not his, every time, every time, sin is not them delivering Jesus over, which is the act. Sin is what put Jesus to be delivered over because he came because he loved us. It's me delivering over Jesus, and he takes it. He takes the humility. He takes the wrong authority. He takes the cries that he isn't needed. He takes the cries to do away with him, and he goes and he loves us. And maybe this morning you think, Dax, this is kind of a sleight of hand because you're inserting us in the story when we're not there. I, I, I want you to hear what Jesus said before he did this, just real briefly, because he told a parable in Luke chapter 20. And what Jesus said was, he said, hey, I want to tell you a story. And he told a story of the vine vineyard renters, these tenants. They were in the, the, the vineyard of the owner. And they started stealing stuff and doing stuff in their own way and not the way that the owner would do it. And, and, and the owner sent some slaves to collect the rent and to be in charge. And they beat the slaves and they sent them away. He sent more slaves and they killed the slaves and they sent them away. And then the owner thought, well, I'll go ahead and send my son. This is Jesus talking in Luke 20. I'll send my son. They'll honor him. They'll respect him. And they saw the son and they said, oh, if we kill him, we get to keep the whole inheritance. And so they killed the son. And he ends it this way, Jesus does. He looked directly at them, these Jewish leaders he was talking to at the time, and he says, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He's talking about himself, right? Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus himself is thinking as he goes to the cross, this is about me and the rest of humanity. There's not an exemption. There's not, oh, you know, that whoever is, is really an evil person, the rock, no, every single person, you either fall on the stone or it crushes you. And if you fall on it, it breaks you in pieces. What is that? 
Now, here's what I think. I think Jesus would have said something like, you know, really bad people are doing this to me, but thankfully there are some good and faithful people out there. They'll be fine. Instead, he says, every single person will be busted in pieces by me. Because Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sin. It's not wrong to say, it's not the whole truth, but it's not wrong to say that your sin put him there. I've got blood on my hands. You've got blood on yours. And we can plead circumstances, or we can plead incompetence, or we can plead all the things that other people have done to us, but we cannot, we cannot escape that we have blood on our hands because he had to die for me and for you. And that's the crazy bad thing is that no matter what we do and what we try, we never get out. Except to say, I receive that he did this. That's the gospel, right? That Jesus went to the cross and he shed his blood and we're forgiven. And so it's never, ever, ever anymore about trying to determine how bad you actually were over there or how much you did wrong or, or what ways you were wrong that, that I wasn't wrong. Because if you start comparing, I can say, well, I'll trade you two, you know, angers for three lusts. That works really well. Or I'll try and, I'll try and take those cards and I'll, I'll try and rip them up and say, no, 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 I, I don't want that anymore. But then I do something crazy bad again. And then I'm doing things all the time that I don't even know that, that are wrong because I'm not thinking like God thinks. And I'm just not as perfect as I can be. And the way out is to know, wait a second, I've got blood on my hands. And the, the, the way that, that I get cleansed is Jesus Christ forgives me and I receive it. He went to the cross and it worked. I'm forgiven and free because, not because of me, but because of him. And I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live in for, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to tell you, no matter what your sin is, Jesus Christ has paid for it and you're free. Why? Because this was horrible and he did it for us. He just did it because he's that awesome and our Savior is that fantastic. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The very representatives of God rejected God and now everyone is broken. And he gathers and he gives life. We did not die for him. We do not die for him. Our cross is the one of humbly receiving that Jesus loves us, dirty sinners. Not that he joins us in happy morality. So welcome to the Savior. Receive the wonder that we killed him, but that he wills us to life. Let's pray.